Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast, and I want to thank you for joining with me for this week's message. As we move through this season of Lent leading up to Easter, we are going through the chapters in the second half of the Gospel of John that all speak about the final week of Jesus' life between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. And so today we're looking at John chapter 14, where Jesus answers a couple of questions for us. Who is Jesus? Where is he leading us? Why does this matter? And will you believe in him? I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message, The Way Forward. Last Sunday was the first Sunday in Lent, and we started our series going through the second half of the Gospel of John, which leads us to Easter Sunday. Last week, we talked about John 13, where Jesus had his last supper with the disciples. He washed their feet, and then Judas left to betray him. Today, we're looking at John 14, which tells us what Jesus said to his disciples right after Judas left. Jesus is still in the upper room with the 11 disciples. He knows that Judas is out actively betraying him, and his crucifixion is less than 24 hours away. So in John 14, 1 to 6, Jesus is going to answer four questions for us. Who is he? Where is he leading us? Why does this matter? And will you believe in him? The first question is, who is Jesus? Jesus tells his disciples that he's getting ready to leave them, and they know the way to the place where he is going. But in verses 5 and 6, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is telling us that even when he is not present with us physically, he is our way forward. He is the truth we need to guide our way forward. And he is the life that energizes us as we move forward. These are not just three different abstractions. These are one single person. Jesus is saying that in him, we have everything we need to order our lives, to make sense of our lives, and to experience a life worth living. Everybody needs a direction in life. When we're young, people ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a directional question. Where is your life headed? As we figure out the direction of our lives, many of us look for mentors, for guides, for spiritual directors to help us figure out the right path to follow. And Jesus is saying he is the path. He is the right direction. 
If you are following Jesus, your life is moving in the right direction. If we're not following Jesus, our lives are moving in the wrong direction. Jesus is telling us he is the truth. Many people today don't know what the truth is. We have people who watch cable news all day long, and they don't realize they're listening to fake news. We have people on the radio, the TV, the internet, on our phones and on our screens who lie to us every day. And lots of people believe them. <clears throat> Why? Because we don't have an objective standard to measure whether something is the truth or a lie. We have people who talk about my truth and your truth as if those are two different things. We have people who think the truth is different for everybody. It's not. Jesus is telling us here that he is the truth. Whenever we agree with him and God's word, we are telling the truth. Whenever we aren't, we're lying. Jesus is our objective standard. If someone or something agrees with Jesus, we know it's true. If they disagree with Jesus, we know it's not true. A lot of people have been hurt because they have believed things that weren't true. People have been hurt because they didn't know how to tell the difference between the truth and a lie. Jesus is the truth. One thing we've come to learn is that not only do some people not know the truth, some people don't want to know the truth, and some people don't want the truth to be told. One aspect of the truth that Jesus shares here is that no one comes to the Father except through him. There are people in the world who do not like that statement. To them, it sounds arrogant. How can you claim that Jesus is the only way to God? What about all of the other religions? They think we should be more tolerant. They think there should be multiple roads that lead to heaven. They want to believe that all religions will lead you to God. They think it doesn't matter what you put your faith in as long as you have faith in something. But this isn't our idea. This isn't my opinion. These are the words of Jesus. So the question you need to ask yourself is, do you believe Jesus or not? The idea that Jesus is the only way to our Heavenly Father is Jesus' idea. If you don't believe it, you are disagreeing with Jesus. Now, Jesus is inclusive because he invites everybody in the whole world to believe in him and follow him. But Jesus is also exclusive because he says you won't find your way to God if you don't go through him. That's a hard pill for some people to swallow. But if Jesus is the truth, as he said he is, then this is the truth. 
Eugene Peterson used to say that you can't have the Jesus truth <clears throat> without the Jesus life. And you can't have the Jesus life without the Jesus way. In Thomas Akempe's classic book on the imitation of Christ, he writes, without the way there is no going, without the truth there is no knowing, and without the life there is no living. Jesus said, I am the way you should follow, the truth you should believe, and the life you should hope for. I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, and the indestructible life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, and the authentic life. In his commentary on this passage, Dale Bruner says that the exclusive Jesus is remarkably inclusive in his ministry. We see his love and outreach to the outcasts of his culture, women, Samaritans, lepers, Gentiles, tax collectors, and sinners. Jesus is inclusive horizontally in his outreach to the world, but he is exclusive vertically in being the only way to God. He says that we should preach Christ as the only way of salvation without insulting persons of other convictions. The horizontal beam of the cross represents the inclusivity of Christ that goes out to the entire world and is as far reaching as the most desperate sinners. The vertical beam of the cross represents the exclusivity of Christ where God provides us this one way in his son for us to connect with our heavenly father. Now we don't want to limit the saving grace of God, but we also don't want to reject the uniqueness of what God has done in Christ. There are many roads that lead up the side of the mountain but there's only one road that ultimately leads us over the top. Our mission is to faithfully follow what Jesus tells us in his word, knowing that there will always be some sense of mystery for those who have never heard. But we know we can always trust God to do the right thing. The second question Jesus answers us in this passage is, where is he going? In verses 2 and 3, Jesus says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? <clears throat> and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. The picture that Jesus gives us here is that being in the presence of God for all eternity is like being in the house of God. God's house has so many rooms, it's like a mansion. A few weeks ago, I took a drive over to see the Greystone Mansion in Beverly Hills. 
The Greystone Mansion is supposedly the largest home ever built in Beverly Hills with 55 rooms. It was constructed by Edward Doheny in 1928 for $4 million, which would probably be more than $50 million today. The home is surrounded by a 16-acre garden. God's Mansion is way bigger than that. God's Mansion has enough rooms for everyone who wants to end up there. And Jesus tells us he's going there ahead of us to prepare a place for us. Jesus is like the lowly maid who cleans the bathroom, vacuums the floor, and makes the bed for us. He washes the windows, changes the light bulbs, and fluffs up the pillows. Jesus wants to make everything perfect for us so that we will feel special when we get there. When some people today think about going to heaven, they think about floating around on some puffy white clouds. But the picture that Jesus gives us here is about a place that's tangible and concrete and real. It is the home you've always dreamed of. You have all the space you will ever need. Home is where you can rest and relax and be yourself. And you don't have to worry about getting lost on your way there because Jesus promises that he will return someday for us and take us there himself. Jesus is telling us that our Heavenly Father owns real estate. And we are on our way to the most valuable property you can imagine. Our Father's house is where we experience the real presence of Christ with everybody else who believes in him. There will be an abundance of rest. And Jesus has already taken care of our reservations. The third question Jesus answers for us here is, why does this matter? In verse 1, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then in verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We live in a troubled world. We hear about wars around the globe. We have infighting in our country and people are angry and agitated. People are suspicious of individuals and institutions. We've seen a rise in anti-Semitism. People spread lies about their enemies. People attack each other on social media. Our culture is very condemning and unforgiving. People are struggling with worry, anxiety, and guilt. People are confused, discouraged, and lonely. 
And yet Jesus speaks to us every day and says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. For some people today, experiencing peace seems impossible. With all of the hurt and the pain in our world, how can we be at peace? But Jesus is telling us here that his peace is different from the world's peace. The world's peace is temporary. <clears throat> it doesn't last. It's here one minute and gone the next. Jesus' peace has no end. It continues on forever. It's eternal. So you can walk into a room that's full of tension and people arguing, and you don't have to get that queasy feeling in your stomach. You can be at peace. The world's peace is something people try to achieve on their own. People look for hacks and strategies and tricks to attain peace. But we can't achieve Jesus' peace. We can only receive Jesus' peace. Jesus says it's something he gives us. It's something he leaves with us, which means that nobody else can take it from us. Jesus says we don't need to feel troubled and we don't need to be afraid. How many people in the world today do you think can say they don't feel troubled, they don't feel afraid, and they do have peace? That's the miracle of Jesus. That's why this matters. Because Jesus isn't just talking about our future with God in the next life. He's also talking about what you can experience today. <clears throat> in this passage, Jesus' disciples were distraught because Jesus was going to be taken from them. They didn't know what that meant. They'd been with him for the last three years, and now all of a sudden, they were facing all kinds of questions and uncertainty. What would happen to them? Jesus is telling them not to give up and not to be disheartened. Even though we can't trust our colleagues completely, and even though we can't trust ourselves completely, we can trust God completely. So the fourth and final question of this passage is, will you believe in Jesus? In verse 1, Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. The antidote to a troubled heart is to trust God and his son, who knows how to calm our storms and steer us safely into port. This trust is impossible for us to stir up on our own. This trust is enabled by the creative word of hope from the Lord of the church who knows our situations and our struggles. We live in a world where people don't know what to believe in anymore. We live in a world where people don't know who they can believe in anymore. We've been let down and lied to so many times. 
we become jaded and cynical and skeptical of everyone and everything. But you can't make it through life if you don't believe in anything. You will not survive if you don't have anyone in your life that you believe in. And Jesus is telling us, you can believe in me. You can believe in Christ. He is trustworthy. He keeps his word. He always tells the truth. He confronts us and he comforts us. He knows where we need to go and he promises to help us get there. You have to take a chance and believe in someone. So I am asking you right now to take a chance and believe in Jesus. If you're hesitant, just tell Jesus that. Just say, Jesus, I'm going to give you a try. I'm going to ask you to come into my life. I'm going to ask you to be the way, the truth, and the life in me. I'm going to try believing in you and following you. And if you are real, show me. If you are true, show me. Give me the faith I lack. Give me the trust I need. Please change my life and show me what I should do. And Jesus will do that. And if you have never trusted Christ before, and you want to give him a try now, then please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you are my creator, that you have created me and given me life. But I admit to you now that I have disobeyed you. I have fallen short of your will for my life. I know I have done things I shouldn't have, and I am sorry. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to take the punishment for my sins and that you rose again from the dead so that I might rise too by believing in you. Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. Change everything about me that needs to change. Make me a new person. Build me up again and send me out to serve you in the world. Let me be a part of your family and please take control of my life for the rest of eternity. And I pray this in your name. Amen.